Kathy, I am so glad to have this conversation with you today. It's very <laughs> cool to have a comedian on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited. And <laughs> I know, I know, I'm so excited. And <laughs> one thing that I, I just wonder, you know, I hear this adage all the time, you know, you just need to lighten up. Don't take yourself so seriously. What is that? I know what it means, but but the how, how to get there, I think is something that I would love to unpack and get some of your advice, you know, like when you're out there and you're going through stuff and you hear, oh, you just need to lighten up. How, how do you do that? What are, what are some tips that you have for people who are trying to lighten up and live a little bit freer than they were five minutes ago? Sure. Oh my gosh. I, I think it's, so there's a, there's a big answer and then there's like lots of little breaking it down and unpacking. And I think it comes down to this. It comes down to be willing to show up playful, curious, some mistakes maybe, and let go of every minute worrying about what somebody thinks. I love it. And that's really what we're going to unpack today. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can lighten up, how you can use strategies from the world, the wonderful world of comedy, and bring them into your working life so that you can just show up in a different way at work. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. One of the things is we really make an, make an oath and we swear on the Bible, that facilitator's Bible, that we are going to use yes and. And there is a place for yes, but down the road, devil's advocacy has a, has a place. It, right. It's not a bad thing. So it's about timing and when we do it and how we, and how we do it. So when I'm working with the team, it's like, we're not doing yes, but here. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. And we're going to catch ourselves. And I, you know, have them every time they use yes, but we make it a game. We make it a fun game. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Kathy, I really do want to welcome you to the show. I hope you're having a good day so far. How's it going? It's going great. It's really beautiful out here. So I'm in Silicon Valley. And so that is, you know, I'm just looking at the gorgeous weather. It's a little cold, but it's nice to see blue skies. So no complaints. <laughs> mm, Silicon Valley, gorgeous weather. I love it. We, we also have gorgeous weather here. It was terrible earlier this year. <laughs> We had snowpocalypse earlier this year, but we are, we're back. We're back on track. We're back to leading with levity. Yes. We were leading with shovels earlier, <laughs> but, but we're back. Yes. We're back. We were shoveling stuff and not, not that, some other stuff. Yes. Right. Right. You know, I joke like, do you know how many um, trash cans full of snow it takes to flush a toilet? One time, <laughs> just one time. <laughs> oh, no. oh. It's, I found out. I found out this year. <laughs> there you go. And so what is the magical answer? And we must know this could be a setup. This could be a setup and punchline thing. What is the answer? 
I a lot. I, I think it took like <laughs> I think it's like two. Yeah, it was existential, Kathy. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Right. A lot. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to answer. That's right. That. That's right. It was philosophical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so Kathy, I one thing that I love about your mission is you're completely focused on helping people and teams use humor and improv to better tell stories and bring creativity into their work so that they can have this happy, healthy work life. That is awesome. I I think it aligns really, really well with what we do at Lead With Levity. And I just wanted to ask you, as the, the founder of Keeping It Human, what are some ways that people maybe stray from that? And I, I, I have a follow-up to that, but let me know if you need if you need a reason why I ask that question. But but I am curious, your company is called Keeping It Human for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what is that reason and why is it that people are having such a hard time keeping it human? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. So that came from a client, my very first client when I left tech. After so many years, one of my very first clients who happened to be a tech, a tech company, they said, this is what you do. You keep it human. You're just, you keep it human. And I went, okay, that sounds as good as any a name, uh, better than I would think of for myself. <laughs> and I, it really came down to this. I think people are hungry and this has never changed. Never, Heather. I mean, people are hungry for humanity at work. Like they want to be themselves at work. They want to laugh at work. They want psychological safety at work. They want to do creative work and meaningful work. And they want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to show up and know that somebody cares and has their backs. And they want all the good stuff that we all want. I mean, this is a universal human thing. And what's interesting is that this is everybody. I mean, regardless of race, gender, orientation, we're all humans. And that is something fundamental about all of us. And I think that is where the good stuff is at. In my experience, so I I had the fortune of the last 10 years that I was in tech for 15 years, I was leading teams and and increasingly bigger teams. And I, I got to the point where I was running a very global marketing team. And, you know, the thing about it is when we are human and we allow ourselves to make mistakes and experiment and tinker and fail and learn, we are so much more willing to do cool stuff and to try things. And we're less afraid. There's less fear. And that's what we all want. And I thought, man, if we could really unleash more of that human stuff, that human currency in everything at work and take down that fear wall, man, we would be so much happier, healthier, more creative and like, and humorous and just health, man, our health and our well-being, which I'm so glad we're finally talking about right now. We are talking about mm-hmm. well-being at work and it is time. And it only took right. a pandemic, you know? <laughs> right it's like for years and years and years i came out of marketing communications and i remember having these conversations heather it's like Mm -hmm. my boss would say well we got to get roi for every dollar we're spending on customers and i said see that's the thing we're spending Mm -hmm. 10 times on customers than we are 10 times more than we are on employees now you you see that you see the problem here (laughs) 
And and we're here yeah. now. And the, yes, it yeah. only took a pandemic for people to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. And coming from a psychology standpoint, it's interesting because I live in this little bubble where all my friends are psychologists and mental health professionals and all of that. And so all we we live and breathe this stuff. And it can be easy to just go, oh, well, everyone knows that mental health is important and that you need to give yourself some time to rest and relax and mm-hmm. reset and that you need a psychologically safe environment. You need a supervisor that supports you and, and need to have good relationships at work and things like that, like that fills your bucket and feeds your spirit. We know this. And it, it's easy to go, everyone knows this, but that's not the case. And I've definitely had an opportunity to to step outside of that bubble this year, you know, with this pandemic and with everyone at home and just listen, listen to people from all different walks of life, their struggles, their pain, their sorrows, all of that. And it's clear to me that no, this message still needs to get out there. There are still lots of people out there who don't quite, they haven't fully understood that or been allowed to experience Mm -hmm. it at work. It's so true. And your background is so, I mean, you know this stuff better than anybody. And for all our talk of psychological safety, I don't think we practice it. And I think that's, that's a big part of all of this whole thing. That's something that I want to ask you about, because with your background in comedy and improv, one thing that I find that's interesting about improv is this this yes and mm-hmm. principle. And I don't think that people typically, you know, connect improv with psychological safety, but there's a huge connection there when you're you're doing this kind of comedy and it's almost as if nothing you do is wrong. We can build on anything that you bring to the table and we can make it amazing and we can grow. And, and the more people that you have involved, the better. You know, it's, it's just a team effort. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about those principles just to see, you know, how, could, how can we start to bring them into the workplace mm. to build on that and to make it as amazing as it possibly yeah, can be. Yeah, well, you're so right. I think, you know, one of the things that I really believe is that I never really experienced that kind of psychological safety in tech. I found it on stages, you know, on in improv. And it's mm. this concept of, of yes and, which is how we build scenes. We build on each other's scenes so that we are moving things forward. There's always a forward movement and we're building it together, which means there's a principle in improv, which is, you know, we have each other's backs. I got your back. One of the things that I really never experienced until improv was, you know, we'd look at each other and say, I got your back. And words are words are kind of empty. But what would happen is over time, when you are building something with other people and you aren't wrong, you're absolutely right, Heather. You maybe you say something and somebody else said something else, and now you're left trying to justify it. And the laughs come from those human moments. Like, I mean. You know, and that's the fun stuff. I mean, I can tell you times where like names got changed and, you know, I would be Mary in one scene and then John in another scene. And I would just say, okay, it is Mary John. You got me. I was hiding that second name. And now, now the secret's out. And there's, it's not wrong. My job is to justify that and tie it into a, a greater story because that mistake is a gift. 
Or, you know, I walk on stage and I've endowed myself as a mom and somebody else is, you know, calls me a vampire. And I'm like, that's right. I'm a vampire mom. And before you go to school, okay, don't look in any mirrors. I want you to drink your protein blood. You're going to, did you drink your blood? Did you have blood for breakfast? Because if you're going out the door without your blood, mister, you are not having protein. Now I want you to not look in that mirror, go drink your blood. Okay. And yes, I am totally, you know, AB positive, then you can go to school. Now, what a gift is that? When you see, when was the last time you Mm -hmm. were in a meeting where somebody said one thing and somebody else said another thing, instead of contradicting you, they found a way to bridge those two into a larger integrated idea. That is what improv Mm -hmm. does. And it, it, if we could do more of that, and that was my philosophy, if we could bring more of that kind of thinking into corporate environments where, okay, you think this, I think this, it doesn't have to be an either or. What if we suspended belief for a second and found a way to integrate these two ideas? Could the whole be greater than the sum of the parts? And could we end up somewhere we never imagined that actually has a seed of viability? And I think those are the kinds of things that gets me excited because I really believe that these types of ways that we treat each other is why improv groups are so creative and hyper creative and that kind of treating each other in that way could be so phenomenal and transformational if we did that in business. So I see this 100% applying in brainstorming Mm -hmm. meetings where, and, and it's so interesting to me, you have to set up like a Bible full of rules before you go into a brainstorming session, because you know that there are people out there who they can't, they don't want to think outside the box. (laughs) They're not ready for it. And they're just here with their critic hat. And you have to kind of break that down so that they come in at least quiet. Maybe by the end of it, they're ready to Mm -hmm. contribute. You know, if nothing else, if you're not going to go in there and contribute, at least don't break down other people's ideas and talk about how they're not right. For those people who have that naturally critical nature where they look at an idea and say, yes, but have you considered this? And what about that? And I don't think that's going to work because of all of these reasons. And that's just their natural go-to. Are there any exercises that they can try to kind of start to undo some of that? It's a great question. And the answer, yeah, of course, is we can. There are things that they can do. And I would say to those people, there, a lot of it is just a threshold of awareness issue. They're not yet at that threshold of awareness. They don't realize they do it as much. And I mm. think that's true of a lot of us. Most of us, yes, but, and we don't even realize it. I mean, it's funny because those people like, yes, but, I'll say, well, how many times do people do this to you? And they're like, oh, all the time. And then I'm like, well, is it possible you're also doing it to other people? And then they're like, yes. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> but, but my, my idea is better. best. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's hysterical because yes. usually when I'm doing this with teams, I'll get the um, yes, but what if the idea is crappy? And then somebody, somebody right. will say, yes, and that idea sucks. And I'm like, that is not what yes mm. and is. And, and it's and it's comical. No. It's it's it, because there is there are people that are wired that way. So here a couple things. One of the things is we really make an, make an oath and we swear on the Bible, that facilitator's Bible, that we are going to use yes and. And there is a place for yes, but down the road, devil's advocacy has a, has a place. It, right. It's not a bad thing. So it's about 
timing and when we do it and how we, and how we do it. So when I'm working with the team, it's like, we're not doing this, but here, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And we're going to catch ourselves. And I, you know, have them every time they use yes, but we make it a game. We make it a fun game. Maybe we put money in a jar to have a party later and there's no shame, but we make a mm. game out of it. And what it, I find that it does in a playful way, if you make it playful and low stakes, people will learn playfully and they can rewire their behavior. And the greatest thing for them is the threshold of awareness of how much they do it. I've had people come back to me and say, you had me track it every time I say it. And now that I'm tracking it, like I realize that, oh my God, I say it all the time. And that's the first step to changing it. So that there's that. You can even use a rubber band. You know, it can be really low tech. You take yes. a rubber band and like every time you say yes, but just pull it. And you're going to get a very sore wrist, some people, and yet it works because what you, you're doing is you're just raising that level of like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was my go-to. Yeah. And then we can start to catch ourselves once we're aware. And I think what's really interesting is a lot of the biggest critics of it, the people who uh, will say to me, eh, you know, once they realize mm -hmm. the difference in how people treat them when they yes and versus yes, but they go, oh my gosh, the conversation that I had to have went really well because I yes anded the other person. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And how, how did it feel when you yes, but it? And they're like, they weren't listening to me. They stopped trying. Yep. So maybe could you use yes and a little bit more in your interpersonal relationships? And when people have that exercise and they come back, Usually nine times out of 10, they're like, it's changed the course of conversations for me internally inside the company and in my personal relationships. And that's really huge. And there is a place to make them not feel wrong. Like I never look, I get the devil's advocacy mm -hmm. folks. The only problem is, is that nobody appointed them devil's advocates. Like nobody got together and said, Hey, you know what? You know who'd be <laughs> the best devil's advocate here? Bob, Bob should be devil's advocate. It's like, Bob, you did not <laughs> self-appoint yourself. Uh-uh, you are not, you know? And and so yeah. we all have to recognize that, look, it has a place later. So I will separate that, Heather. And I will say, look, right now we're going to yes and. Doesn't mean we have to do it. Don't confuse yes and for commitment. It just means we're exploring the ideas. And then in a later phase, I will let them yes, but, and then they have fun. They go to town. But what we, what we do is we rotate it. And this is very important. We rotate the devil's advocacy chair. And this is important for this reason. It is not aligned with a particular person. Now it, it, it no longer becomes mm -hmm. the purview of, well, it's Bob's job or it's Nancy's job or it's, you know, whatever. And, and it's a good thing because what it does is it takes the responsibility and the tying it to a person or a person feeling like, well, but I'm not being heard. You will be heard later. So then we rotate chairs and I let everybody have a yes, but moment. And we poke holes in things after we've yes anded. So I think they understand then that yes, budding can be a good thing when we're down at that level. But at the beginning of these kinds of exercises and we're trying to look at possibility thinking and expansiveness of ideas, now that top of the funnel is not the time for you to yes but. And I think once they see that and they understand why it's a separate thing, most of the time they do come around. It's just, it's just helping those devil's advocates understand time and place and context. Ooh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, so we talked about, <laughs> so we talked about the people who were like, no, I don't want to mm -hmm. think outside the box. You know, this box is here for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> what about another group of people? So the people who are maybe afraid to look silly, like, 
yes, I I would love to step outside the box, but I'm concerned that if I do, people are going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm silly. They're going to, you know, they're going to look down on me. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a big thing. And that goes to the heart of psychological safety. And I think this is where leaders, it's not enough to me. I push leaders. We're not going to talk about it. You're going to model it. Yes, you too, leaders. So leaders, I make, we all go around and everybody has to do some silly stuff. Everybody, everybody. Okay. What it does is it level sets. It says we're at the same level. There is no status of you or me. It's we, and we're in this together. And there is no hierarchy in this room. There is no hierarchy of ideas. We are equal and everyone's going to you know, be silly and we're going to take turns. And sometimes if people are really, really feeling it, you can break people into smaller groups where they can learn to be silly and let go a little bit in a smaller scale in a very, very Heather low risk way. And then once they kind of master that, you can sort of gradually increase the size of that group. And everyone's equal. Everyone takes a turn. Everyone's going to be silly at some point. And there's such solidarity in the we. Because the the biggest killer of this stuff, too, Mm -hmm. uh, along with psychological um, safety is, or lack thereof, is the sense of hierarchy. And, And everyone's equal. And that's something that if you really want to level the playing field, you have to really enforce those things. Nice, nice. Okay, that's really helpful. For the people who are feeling a little bit nervous, a little bit scared, that's something that's wonderful if their supervisor kind of sets that up and does that for them. What can they do to strengthen their own muscles? Is there something, should they go and and sign up for, you know, like an open mic night or something like that? Or is there something (laughs) even lower risk that they can do to start to just kind of desensitize themselves to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, you know, definitely go take an improv class to practice that. I would also say you can do low risk things. Here's the interesting thing about yes and Heather is that if you show up for other people and yes and their ideas, people are more likely to yes and yours. And there's something about reciprocity Mm -hmm. that happens. It's a natural human thing. And so what I really tell people is if you want to prime the pump for psychological safety to make it safer for you, show up and be the person for other people you want them to be for yourself. There is no greater modeling. When people yes, but me, even when I'm doing workshops, I just keep yes, anding. I keep yes, anding. And finally, like third time in, they'll go, I see what you did there. Yes, and I hear what you're saying. And modeling. And it's really important because the power of modeling and when everybody feels that safety net, that is something very real. It will change your conversations. And if you are showing up and yes, Andy, people, people are really, really more likely to do that for you. So I think that at every layer, you can lead at every level. This is for leaders to do. This is for individual contributors to do. You know, practice practice being responsible for the psychological safety that you create with people around you. So, Kathy, I love that. And I have one mm-hmm. more question for you before we go. And this is a question I like to bring up from time to time. And I think it's one that you'll especially appreciate with your background and everything. So if levity could improve something, a a problem, big or small out there in the world, what would it be? Oh, man, I think levity could change the way that people feel seen. And I think if we all 
could remember that we're all human and show up and give the benefit of the doubt and assume, you know, more goodness with each other. I think it could fundamentally change the way that we see each other and show up. I think it really could change things. And I would say one of the things I think is, is important because I understand the minds. They want the big picture. They want the verifiability, the replicability. They want to look at things from a controlled experiment kind of thing, which I get because it's data. Yes. And I would say to pe people who are like, well, where's the proof, Kathy? Where's the proof? Because it's, you know, improv is, is lives in that gray area that pushes their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. out. And I would say this, you know, if you really want to run your own experiment is really start to, you know, do your yes budding thing with, you know, and then maybe start changing it to yes and, and see over time, even if it's just a few days, see how people respond to the yes but, and then see how they respond when you yes and them and make them feel heard. Because human nature is to always open up when people feel heard. And yes and says, I hear you. Yes but shuts people down. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't take a, a lot of data for technical people to see, to see that, to actually experience the big dynamic shift that happens in a conversation between yes, but, which is a no. It's just because you said yes doesn't make it a no. It's a no between yes, but, and yes, and. And you said your husband's an engineer? My husband is is, is a, a science person. Yes, he's a scientist. Yes. So he's, he's of the trust and verify. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's a convert. He's a convert he's a convert and he sees the difference that even at work you know when he talks to people and has to advocate for ideas he's more likely to get people listening and leaning in and persuading when he yes ands them versus yes but and that is such a big important thing for advocacy in the world if you want your ideas heard you can yes but but see how far that gets you and when you yes and and make people feel that they're being seen and heard. And it's just a completely different set of dynamics in the conversation. Right, right. That's one super amazing tip to improve your influence skills. So thank you. I, I hope that you all try that next week. Yes, but, yes, and. Collect some data and see, <laughs> seriously, collect some data in your friends' lives. <laughs> Right. And see how Go cooperify, cooperify your data experiments. And it's funny. And also too, Heather, I would say document the times people say yes, but to you. I think, think of all the times somebody has yes, but you. And in the moment they're yes, butting you, think about how that sort of tunes you out mm. and how might you respond differently if they actually yes anded your idea. Nice. Love it. Thank you, Kathy. This is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Being married to a man of science, you have an appreciation for that scientific rigor and method. Mm -hmm. It's important. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's it how is. we advance as a society. Absolutely. Yeah, but but Absolutely. we need both. We need balance. So we do. We do. And I think I think the thing about yes, and yes, but is it stands up to the rigors of experimentation and people will feel it and see it. And it's something that you can observe. And, and, it, and I think it's measurable as well as palpable. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And Kathy, if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about keeping it human or checking out any of your stuff, where should they go? How sure. I am all over social media. So feel free. Reach out at Kathy Clotes guest, no hyphen. 
I do use a hyphen in my name, just not on social media, or, or you can go to keepingithuman.com, my website, send me a message, and I'm certainly happy to connect and follow up. I love conversation. I love continuing the conversation. That's the most human thing we can do. That's right. That's right. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. I encourage you to check it out. Take care. Thank you so much, Heather. What a pleasure. And I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.